Well, hello everybody. This is Richard, KB5JBV, and you are listening to Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. Uh, it's good to have y'all on board this time around, and uh, oh man, it just makes my day when I see all the downloads. Okay, we got some big things going on here at, Re- at uh, Resonant Frequency, and we'll catch up with those in just a few minutes. First, I want to run through some feedback and get that on out of the way. Looks like most of the feedback's coming in through the forums nowadays, and uh, that right there seems to be uh, uh, probably a good thing also. I imagine it's a whole lot more helpful to be able to sit there and look at them forums and uh, consider what you're thinking about instead of trying to write an email. However, we'll still take feedback that way, and I'll give you that information in a minute. First up, we have a post. uh, This is on episode 25. We've got a couple of those that uh, came in after the last recording. Uh, It's from uh, WC5B. And he says, I believe you changed my mind, old man. I have elmered many hams over the years. Lately, I have been giving advice much different. I have been telling them to try and go ahead and grab a dual band mobile if they can swing it. Just seems that most operation is done from mobile anyways. Although I I think you can still go much cheaper with a single band 2 meter mobile and a quarter wave mag mount. The fact you can take an HT in and out of the car is a good point. Let's face it. A new ham is going to want want it all. And the time, wait a minute, going to want it all, all the time in the beginning. Well, you know, that's that's the point, I, one of the points I was making. You know, you said, if you can't afford it, if you can swing it. Well, most of these guys can't swing it for a while. And, yeah, they're going to want to have that, they're going to want to sleep with that radio when they first get it. At least I did. Uh, and I'm sure most of y'all did, too. So, uh, that's my point on the handheld. And, uh, let's see. Next one comes from K0, or KO4RB. And, uh, Ray says, Okay, I'll bite. I thought the idea of using an HT as a base to build upon was a good idea. But I do have to admit that I went the other route. I don't like buying used electronic gear something I need to get over in this hobby and I wanted something I could move from the house to the car but with a little more power so I bought a mobile as my first radio a Kenwood TM G707A it's great but I only used it in the truck once and that was for field day so seeing the error of my ways I did buy an HT about a month ago before 25 came out and with an external mag mount i do use it in the truck so again back to the back to the episode i do think and hmm, i do think an ht is great great first radio uh, add peripherals to it and you can have the power portability and it does not have to hit you in the pocket all at once well Thank you, Ray. And, yep, uh, that's another one of my points. You know, uh, it's really a pain in the butt to take a rig in and out. I've got a uh, 2200H out in the truck right now that I've got to take out of the truck and bring in the house so I can reprogram it because we recently, uh, the uh, local D-Star repeater recently changed call signs, so I have to uh, reprogram the call signs in it. And, yes, I can do it from the faceplate, but it's a real pain so thank you for that and that those came in on the uh, from the forums uh another one that i received at, well i'm gonna read y'all part of an answer to an email a reply to an email i sent out which had nothing to do with the show but i think jerry makes a good point uh we'll start here i did slightly disagree with the comments you made about in the last episode of your pod podcast now please understand I'm from Northeast Texas as well. I was in a tornado when I was five years old and lived for many years terrified of them. I spent many hours waiting at DFW while the airport was locked down due to the weather, and I remember the crash of Delta Airlines flight one, the Delta Airlines flight in 1985. You mentioned in the beginning 
of the podcast that the media has blown the past two hurricanes in the Gulf out of proportion. I'm assuming you're talking about Gustav and Ike. Well, yes, I was talking about Gustav and Ike. I know a few hams in the Baton Rouge and the uh, New Orleans area who went for over five days without power after Gustav. Regarding Ike, have you seen the uh, photos of Galveston? A family friend of mine lost their home. It's gone. And their RV floated over three blocks and landed on its side and is totaled. The story is repeated over and over up and down the up and down Galveston and the surrounding area. I know the media, Geraldo on Fox News, is over the top, but especially with Hurricane Ike, there are a lot of our fellow American Texans, I still consider myself a Texan, who are suffering and will be suffering for a long time. I believe that most folks around Galveston would not say that the media overreacted. These are just my opinions. I hope you don't take offense. I don't mean it to be that way. 73, sir. And that's from Jerry over at KD, uh, over at uh, Practical Amateur Radio Podcast. Uh, y'all go listen to Jerry's show when you get a chance. And I sent him a reply back. And uh, uh, let me go ahead and uh, make a reply here. Um Number one, uh, I was referring to the local media here. They did their dead-level best to make it a super killer storm that was going to ravage and destroy and suck half of the continental United States up in it. And as it diminished over time, uh, they started looking for more and more stuff. Uh, Most of the guys that uh, I talk to regularly, either on the radio or through through social media, uh, pretty much have agreed, but yes, I probably should have made myself clearer as far as being wrong. Uh, our local people here, see, we're one of the larger media markets in the United States, and this was an isolated deal to our area, and everybody here that's on the news is trying to go up because it seems like we have more than our fair share of ex-newscasters from here in the DFW area that are national now. Uh, The ones that come, the ones that are right off the top of my head are, uh, what is their name? Ashley Banfield and uh, that that African-American gal on uh, Good Morning America, Robin something or other, and... Uh, I think Barbara Walters did a stint down here and everything else. So, uh, y'all, please, please, uh, I am well aware of what went on in South Texas because we have we were one of the staging areas for evacuees. Uh, we were we had those things going up here. Uh, right now, we still have Aries Matt teams down in South Texas helping with the recovery. So, if I offended anybody, I do apologize. Okay, next up we have uh, have an email from, holy mackerel, who we got an email from? Uh, we got another email from Ray. And this one's more recent. Uh, it says, I cannot thank you enough for starting Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. This has been very educational for me, and I'm sure for many others. I like, you, I like your thought process of this being the way to Elmer, New Ham's. Well, that's the only reason it exists. You reach a very broad, diverse audience, and since this is via podcast, we can always go back to old episodes and listen to them over and over, or pass them on to friends, which is also the idea. Uh, You literally save dozens of local Elmers from having to repeat the same information again and again. I have been an amateur for about two years now, I did all three classes in just under a year, which means I blew through a lot of material that I did not have time to, did not have time to stick with me. Well, that didn't stick with him, I'm sure. These podcasts not only introduce new material, but go over things in an that I've already forgotten. I think that that is great. Thanks for the podcast and help from the local clubs. I have installed Linux on a machine and am now exploring its use in ham radio. And I look forward to 
your new show on Linux in the Ham Shack. Go ahead and put put in a plug for it here. <laughs> well, I'll get a plug in. You don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I have a signal link and uh, made a PSK31 contact. Have looked into other digital modes. Am looking at going to D-Star. Have started studying propagation and prediction software. Have joined the DX cluster and much more. I feel that every episode has been valuable. And to that, to show that, I just sent you a PayPal donation at about twice your suggested rate. Uh, it should be enough to put you over the top on the new mic. Well, you're listening to it right now. I'm still trying to find the right spot to talk to it from so it sounds good. But uh, we're working with it right now. You already have my suggestion for an episode in the Black Sparrow Media Forums. And give the forums a plug here. I get them. Uh, I look forward to hearing Off the Grid sometime in the future. Off the Grid. Uh, Richard, keep up the good work. You are uh, doing a fine service for the entire amateur radio community. And that comes from Ray. Uh, K0KO4RB. And thank you, Ray. Uh, yeah, I'll talk about the. Uh, I'll get to the upgrades here in just a moment. Uh, also, uh, well, no, that's just a reminder that something was something else. Okay. Uh, next piece of feedback before we move on is from uh, uh, Richard. Rich. Rich Smith. Uh, Rich, uh, AB6TY. Sorry about that. I don't normally say people's last name. Uh, I spent all day today listening to your podcast while doing my pretty boring production work as a welder in Sheet Metal Factory. Now, see that right there. I keep trying to tell folks that it's not just the high the the people that are in the high end techie jobs that are amateur radio operators. You know, there's more of us more of us like me and uh, me and Rich here than there are of the network administrators. Anyway, we will move on. I enjoy the info and the music, and I am looking forward to more in the future. I'm an extra class ham and got my first novice ticket in 1992 and spent the next two years getting on the air to get up to 20 words a minute to get my extra. So he's a coded extra, y'all. Uh, I love CW and hardly even talk on the radio. I really enjoy CW and would encourage others to give it a listen and a try. I belong to Fists, that's F-I-S-T-S, and S-K-C-C, which is the uh, Straight Key Century Club. Those are both uh, CW organizations and have been successfully in been successful in chasing their paper over the past few years one of the things we love love to do in the SKCC is to promote CW and help others along with whatever speed they wish to work more info at i guess there was a link there and it didn't print well, we're going to find that information and get it to y'all. Y'all uh, y'all stay stay tuned for the end of the show, and we ought to have it by then. Uh, one more item for discussion about DX contacts that may help the newbies is split frequencies. Well, you know what? I probably should have rolled that in, but we may, uh, we may have to get back to that. Uh, this is over in the forums, so I think. So we'll... We'll go take a look at that, um, because I have run into a few during the minimal DX chasing, so I think this would be a good topic to help new and old hams get those contacts. By the way, just what is a lid? Okay, well, this is going to be a little tiny buzzword, so here we go. What is a lid? A lid is a bad operator. Lid is a word that in this politi politically correct uh, time that we live that you don't hear a lot of and you can't really find a definition for it i was taught that a lid was a bad operator 
You know, that's the guy with the sloppy fist. That's the guy that uh, starts talking over the top of a conversation that's already in progress. Uh, I will try and find a more coherent definition of that for you and uh, mention it in one of the upcoming shows. And he finishes up, thanks for the podcast and keep it up. And that's uh, Rich, AB6TY. Uh, P.S. I hope you got the donation. All righty. And that's the end of feedback for this time around. And uh, let me encourage you all to go over to the forums, the uh, Resonant Frequency Forums over at BlackSparrowMedia.com. It seems to be easier to leave feedback for us here at Resonant Frequency over there because uh, that's where we seem to be getting it now. We did not get one direct piece of email as far as feedback this time around. Uh, we were getting a couple of hits over at the blog page where the uh, files are posted, uh, but I don't think they had to do any of them had to do with this past episode. So now we're running behind. We're over 15 minutes in. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, yeah, uh, the forums. Go over to BlackSparrowMedia.com and click on the forum link. You will have to register, but I want to once again emphasize: we do not sell, give away, trade your information. In fact, I can't see most of it, and it's my website. And the only reason we require registration is so that we can keep the spammers out. We don't want Viagra posts on our forums. Alrighty, and yes, we did get two donations. We received a donation from Holy Mackerel. We got one from Rich Smith who is a firm believer in a dollar an episode. And we also got a donation from uh, Ray, who is twice a believer. And I'd like to thank both Ray and Rich and let y'all know that not only did you put us over the top on the microphone fund, uh, I was able to, I had enough left to take uh, uh, some stuff that I was holding back for a different project, which was get another machine to record the podcast on, and you put us over the top on that also. PayPal is dry. We are empty on the donation side, but we've received some new equipment that we can uh, move forward with and really get things happening. If you guys want to make a donation, it's like I've said before, and these guys were some are some of the faithful. If this, uh, if any of these podcasts, any one episode has helped you in any way, it's got to be worth a dollar. You can't even buy soda for that. So, uh, send us a dollar. If that's all you got, send us a dollar. I mean, uh, every dollar helps. Everything puts us towards our goals on being able to, uh, upgrade equipment, uh, pay for hosting. We're still paying for hosting y'all. Black Sparrow Media, if y'all haven't figured it out, I tried to keep it a secret, but if y'all hadn't figured it out, Black Sparrow Media is run by me uh, and Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. So all you got to do is go over to BlackSparrowMedia.com, click on the donation link, or you can go into the stores and uh, go check out our merchandise over at Cafe Press. Sorry about that. My uh, medicine wearing off. Our... uh, Go to our store, check out the t-shirts. I know they're a little pricey, but we only make a couple bucks off of them. Leave us a donation, do that. Go shop at Amazon. Uh, That's not a big chunk, but every little bit helps. Uh, Donations, donations, donations. Feedback, feedback, feedback. You know, you guys help this thing keep going. And we're we're doing our best to make sure that y'all have quality content. Okay, well, it looks like I've got nothing to lose, so let's just uh, go ahead and talk about Linux in the Ham Shack for a minute. Uh, This past week, Linux in the Ham Shack released its first episode. We recorded it about two weeks before. Uh, Russ did a really good job. Russ, K5TUX, is my co-host over there, or I'm his co-host over there, and he did a really good job of putting that thing together. It sounds very, very good, very uh, uh, slick. I tell you what, I had no idea it was going to end up sounding that way because when we recorded it, it didn't sound nothing like it. And uh, he's got the music happening and everything else. And if y'all want to go check out Linux in the Ham Shack, you go right on over to BlackSparrowMedia.com slash LHS, Lima Hotel Sierra. 
blacksparrowmedia.com slash LHS. And y'all leave some listen to it and leave some feedback over there. You know, we're going to be uh, starting off at the beginning with the, uh, the Linux operating system. We're going to pick out a couple of distributions that are probably going to be the best for you as far as uh, running Linux in your ham shack. And we're going to answer questions, give tips, and all this other good stuff. We have also set up uh, forums over at blacksparrowmedia.com. So you can go over there and leave a post or feedback or whatever you like to do. Uh, and in that case, you can just, I mean, we're building this thing. It's brand new. We're hoping that it's something that y'all appreciate and can enjoy. Okay, so we've done the mail. We've done donations. Let's see what else we got on the list. We've done Linux in the Ham Shack. Y'all go to Linux in the Ham Shack. If y'all like resonant frequency, you are definitely going to like Linux in the Ham Shack. So with that, I think we've pretty much got it. We've run way over on this segment, but that's fine. I want to make sure that your feedback gets read and all the appreciation that I can give is available. So with that, y'all chill a few minutes. And we'll get on to the next segment. So this time on the segment formerly known as Buzzword, we're going to talk about uh, SWR and watt meters a little bit. Uh, last time we talked a little bit about multimeters, and uh, I figure we'll uh, carry on. You know, the uh, SWR and watt meter is something that uh, we kind of look at as we really don't pay attention much to them anymore because they're so much an intricate part of the shack. However, uh, that is the uh, second most indispensable piece of equipment you can have in your radio room. And uh, I may not have alluded to this before, but uh, you really there's a whole lot you can't do if you don't know what's going on in your shack. Now, I, I remember when I first got licensed, you could get along without one because uh, you kind of depended on how things were. Uh you know, an antenna is a certain length. A radio is going to put out a certain amount of power. But uh, I've always found that if I had to have two pieces of equipment, the multimeter, the SWR meter would be it. You know, back in those days, we didn't have antenna analyzers and that kind of stuff. So uh, let's take a, a short look at it. Well, first and foremost, I think you can probably buy a meter that will... Uh, show you the forward power out from your radio and maybe even the forward power through a coax into an antenna. I've never actually seen one, but I'm sure that uh, you can get one like that. So uh, secondly, the most common is going to be the one that measures not only uh, power out in watts, but also SWR. Now, Buzzwords a short segment, so we're not going to get into the a long discussion of SWR. But for you new guys, let's just leave it at SWR. High SWR is bad. You know, because nowadays, most of the rigs are electronic. And they won't take the abuse. 
However, they do cut back if the SWR goes up, which is another reason to be able to see what the uh, standing wave ratio on your line is because with a higher SWR, your radio will cut back and you'll have a lower output. So, uh, why do we need to know these two things? Well, we need to know how much power is out. We need to know how much power we're using. There are some places where we have restrictions and limitations on how much power we can use. Um, it's not such a big deal in the uh, higher grades of licenses on band on uh, so most of the bands, but you know there is a there is a peak envelope power limitation on ten meters, and. I'm sure the technicians aren't allowed to run legal limit. I may be wrong on that. I haven't checked lately. But we want to keep an eye on that. Now, I, uh, among my arsenal of things I've accumulated over the years, have an old Wells SWR wattmeter, which I've had since I first got on HF. Now, this one's a little more than what I've been talking about. Not only does it show power, forward power out and uh, SWR, it also shows reflected power. Now, reflected power is the amount of power that's coming back down your line. Uh, it's another way to check uh, what you're looking for with SWR. Uh, you know, if you're sending 100 powers, 100 watts out and 25 watts back then uh, you have something going on that you need to take a look at that means you have 25 watts bouncing back towards your radio now like I said before we didn't have things like uh, uh, cutback circuits in our radios and antenna analyzers and stuff like that when I first got licensed so the humble watt meter can also be used for tuning antennas now that probably makes a lot of sense to some of y'all and some of you probably didn't think about it but the fact of the matter is everybody knows that the wavelength is shorter the higher you go in frequency so your antenna length is shorter as you go higher in frequency the uh, physical length and the electrical length which are not always the same thing so, uh, one thing you want to do, say you're building a wire antenna. I, I myself am a wire antenna guy. On HF, I prefer wire antennas. They're inexpensive to build. They perform well. They're easy to repair. Now, in recent years, uh, somebody got the bright idea of figuring out what the difference between a dipole and inverted V was, and now we have a percentage that we can uh, knock off of a dipole to get the inverted V in the ballpark. But before anybody thought about that, uh, if you were putting up a inverted V, you had to build a dipole antenna and then tune it down by snipping pieces off of the end once it was hung. So you would take your uh, SWR meter, and plug it in line, key up the radio, and see what it was reading. And then you might move up or down the dial a little bit and see what it was reading there. And depending on what readings you were getting, you would either shorten or lengthen your antenna until you got to the right spot. Same thing worked with mobile antennas. You could take uh, the mobile antenna and plug it up, move it up and down, slide it up and down in the collar, whatever, snip pieces off of it, whatever. Uh, and eventually you'd get that quarter wave antenna or five-eighths wave antenna where it was resonant and then be able to go on about your business. I remember the first time I used a 102-inch steel whip for 10 meters. You know, uh, I understand there's people out there using tuners for them now, but that's not quite as efficient and I used that SWR meter and that that uh, 10 meter rig I had and I'd key the microphone see where it was and go out there snip a piece off and go back and key it up again finally I ended up at 98 inches or roughly 98 inches and that 102 inch steel whip antenna was the best mobile antenna I ever had for 10 meters anyway so these are some of the things you can use an SWR meter for one thing you'll always be sure of 
in uh, working with radios is that every piece of your equipment that you have, you can probably use it for two or three different things, not just the one thing. Okay? But uh, I would suggest that everybody go and get an external SWR wattmeter. The ones in the rigs are pretty pretty good nowadays. Uh, until I got my most recent HF rig, I never felt one, never found one that I felt was right. But in that new rig, it seems to be pretty much spot on, so I can I can pretty much trust it. And there you go. So that's pretty much it for buzzword. Sorry I couldn't get more into it. At some point in the future, we'll probably get further into it. Uh, but as it stands for right now, go out and check some out. You don't need a big $1,500 uh, watt meter or 1500 watt, watt watt meter if you're uh, if you're uh, not running an amplifier. So uh, that makes them pretty reasonable in price. Grab your pigtail, plug them in, and watch them rock and roll. Alrighty, with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next segment. We'll see you on the other side. For a block, you took a shortcut through the alley, and your brother stopped picking the lock, and he said, "What is that you got, baby? Tell me, what is that you got?" going through the forums the other day looking at some of the show suggestions over in the show suggestion area and uh, one of the suggestions was how to be a better Elmer now we did an Elmer uh, Elmer segment not too long ago however I'm sure uh, I'm sure I didn't cover anywhere near all of it so uh, let's take a few minutes and talk about how can you be a better Elmer? Well, you know, by the by virtue of having an amateur radio license or <laughs> being a human being at all, you're an Elmer. Elmer is just the way us hams say mentor. You know, uh, there are mentors in jobs, mentors in hobbies, mentors in school. There's a lot of folks out there teaching the ones that come behind them. You know, I was lucky enough at, to have two grandfathers that uh, they loved to teach me things and show me how to do things. And if it wasn't for them, there'd have been a few times in my life I'd have starved because uh, a couple jobs I took on that I had absolutely no training for. But 
some of the stuff they had taught me showed me how to do it. Now, Elmer, the phrase itself is not really one of those ancient and cryptic amateur radio uh, phrases or words that uh, you might think it is. If I remember correctly, it was the uh, Elmer in question was brought up in an article in QST in 1971, and it just kind of took and uh, and went from there. Now, uh, I was also lucky enough at one point in my life to be an offset printer, and that was back in the early 80s, right be- just right before all the electronics stuff come in. I was... Uh, I worked on printing presses that were up to a block long and taller than a three-story house. And I worked on printing presses that were smaller than my refrigerator. So I spent a lot of time in there. Not only that, but learning how to run folders and binders and everything else. And at that time, uh, that's how you learn printing. You couldn't go. To, you didn't go to school for it. The guys you worked with, the uh, lead pressmans, the, guy, the guys that had more experience, taught you the ropes. Well, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about Elmering and amateur radio because, um, well, you want to teach the new guys what you know. Now, there are people out there that are natural teachers. Uh, they want everybody to know what they know. You know, I'm kind of like that. I learned something, and I think it's really cool. I want everybody else to know it, too. And then you've got those out there that don't have the time. Uh, and in the middle, you've got the ones that want to be an Elmer or a mentor, and they just don't know what they can do to do so. Well, mentoring starts on the receiving end before you ever get your amateur radio license. Yes, there are uh, more and more folks out there that are deciding they want their license and they go and hunt down the questions and hunt down test sessions and everything else. But still, there's uh, those out there like that, like in the old days that uh, somebody said, hey, check this out and guided them through the process until they got their license and beyond those are the ones we uh, most specifically refer to as elmers i myself had my father and his group of friends around him of course we had been through everything together scuba diving and fishing and golf well i never got pulled in on the golf thing but you know, whatever he and his buddies were doing, I was I was the onlyest boy in the group, so I got drunk along. And I can't really say that was a bad thing. But my father had had a desire for years and years to get his amateur radio license. He had uh, tried five or six different times to learn Morse code so he could take his license test. I myself... Uh, my cousin got me hooked on, uh, kind of hooked on amateur radio. He got a shortwave receiver when he was in second grade, and I loved it. And I threw pure hard fits until I ended up with uh, something I could listen to shortwave on, which just so happened to be an old uh, old Halicrafter shortwave receiver. I don't even remember what the uh, model number was on it. But once I turned that thing on at night, and I could hear people on the other side of the world, and the orange glow of the tubes on the wall behind it, I was hooked. But we're getting a little off subject. How can you be a better mentor, or Elmer? Well, there's lots of ways. Like I said before, there are natural teachers, and there are those that have to learn. I was one of those that had to learn. And now uh, it's kind of become a habit. And for those of you who have to learn how, it will become a habit. So, uh, you know, start with the guys that have just got licensed. 
I keep telling the guys around here, if you've been a licensed week, then you're ready to be an Elmer because you have one week's worth more experience than those who have just got their license or those that are even studying for their test. Now, as far as Elmering is concerned, you want to take these guys and nobody can know everything about amateur radio. There is so much involved in amateur radio that you are never going to know it all. So even the 25 and 35 year ham is going to go to somebody and ask questions. I mean, I consider myself a pretty well-rounded amateur radio operator. I've been been licensed about 20 years. And if there were something that I wanted to learn that I've never done before, I would go find somebody that knew something about it. Uh, say I wanted work satellites. Well, you know, I know three or four guys that are am, that are with AMSAT here locally. And if I really wanted to, uh, had a burning desire to get into satellites, then that's what I would do. I would go and uh, find uh, Rick, M5CSU, I think that's right. And uh, we'd sit down and we'd talk about it. Then I'd see if I could come over and he could show me a few things. And uh, we'd uh, we'd have at it from there. You know, uh, one of those uh, that group of Elmers I told you about, uh, Vernon Ganey, WX5M, uh, God rest his soul. He wanted to learn about digital communications, and my father was into it real big. So Dad invited him over and uh, showed him what was going on with it. Vernon reached over and hit a button and started Amtor running, and he thought he'd broke something, and it was just a good time all around. Patience. Being a good Elmer takes patience. Because once you start answering questions for somebody... You can't just get up one day feeling bad and uh, tell them to, you know, go jump out, go jump in a lake or something if they come come asking you questions. You have to be a patient person because they're not likely to immediately grasp what you're talking about, especially if they're coming from somewhere where they're not so much technically inclined, you know. It is true nowadays that a lot of amateur radio operators work for places like uh, Raytheon or Verizon or uh, their system administrators at different places, that kind of stuff. They've got a lot of technical training. They know a lot of stuff, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to know what they're asking you a question about. And when you explain it to them, they may not grasp it. So you may have to explain it two or even three times. Be patient. You know, you didn't know everything about a particular subject when you first started. You know, that goes back to those natural teachers. I've taught classes and everything else to get the way I am. But some folks just have the temperament and the patience to, you know, uh, help people along. Like I said, you know, I I want everybody to know everything I know. Ergo, Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Uh, This is one way that I have looked at to try and Elmer as many people as possible and uh, still not spread myself too thin. Okay, so we know you need patience, and if you don't have those teaching helpful mentoring skills you have to develop them so let's uh let's think for a minute about a few ways we might do something like that well first of all you always want to talk up amateur radio that's something i found that's uh sorely lacking nowadays is that i'll run across people that uh, i have to initiate a conversation with them they're wearing a shirt or a hat that says Skywarn on it, or they're carrying uh, one of the latest versions of a Yezu or an ICOM radio on their belt or something. 
And hey, I swing a hammer for a living. I build fixtures. And I mean, every Walmart in North Texas at some point within three months, any three, given three months. And when I meet and talk to amateur radio operators, I have to initiate contact with them. And then, after I talk to them for a while, I have to steer the conversation to amateur radio. So talk up, amateur radio. That right there is number one, the priority thing for mentoring people. Because once you start talking it up, people get interested. Once they get interested, they may very well be interested in getting licensed. Especially if you can talk it up enough to get them to actually see what we do. It's a hobby of a lifetime. I'm telling you. So much you can't do it all. So that's where mentoring starts before they even consider getting their license. Other ways, you know, go teach a class. If you have a technician class license, you are capable capable of teaching a technician licensing class. Because you've already taken the test. You know the material, or should know the material. And teaching a class is not as hard as you think. That allows you to mentor 20 to 30 people, or Elmer, 20 to 30 people at one time. The classes I've given were quite enjoyable. And if I want to see the, if I want to get the gratification of having taken that time out of my life, all I have to do is go to a club meeting here locally. Because about half of the people that came out of my classes are still members of the club over here in Mesquite, Texas. Okay, so other ways. You know, the Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts have Jamboree on the air. That's a joint amateur radio scouts activity. And you can raise a lot of awareness for amateur radio that way. Shoot, I know people that have gone as far as wearing shirts that say, I'm an amateur radio operator, or tell me how I can get my amateur radio license every time they went out in public. You know, currently the uh, State Fair of Texas is going on out here, and uh, we're coming into our last week of that. And back in the early 90s, 94, I believe it was, uh, we had a tent pretty good sized tent out at the state fair of texas that was for a amateur radio event that we uh, asked the guy if we could use his license w5 tex amateur radio at the state fair of texas not only did we make contacts and have our own qsl cards to uh, confirm the contacts had special event station but people were coming through our tent all day long and seeing what we were doing and asking questions and learning all about it. See, being an Elmer is not just taking one individual and guiding them along, even though that is sometimes one of the most gratifying ways to do it because you have that close, personal, personal one-to-one thing going on. But every time you give a piece of advice, of advice, Every time you uh, help somebody decide on what's going to be the best quarter-wave antenna for their car or what's going to be the best tuner for their radio. Yeah, there's a question out there on the forums about antenna tuners, and I probably need to elaborate on that at some point. But every time you uh, answer a question, you show them how to do this. You see somebody doing wrong and you walk, doing something wrong and you walk over and go, well, you know, that looks pretty good. But why don't you try it this way and see how it works? You're, you're Elmering. You're Elmering those people. A lot of people out there try to formalize it. Uh, Ham Association of Mesquite. And I know I bring them up a lot, but that's my local club, so I have to. At least I can speak positive about them. Uh, uh, the other club I used to belong to, I can't speak so positive about. But anyway, I see, there it goes. I got myself sidetracked. <laughs> um, anyway, 
the uh, the fact of the matter is there are all kinds of ways and all you have to do is figure out how figure out how to mentor these people the ARRL a couple of years back that was their theme for the year uh, what they call it mentoring the mentor, the ARRL mentoring program or something it was just Elmering we uh, one of the events we did was we uh, descended on a bingo hall over in Irving, Texas, which is used for a ham fest once a year. And uh, we had presentations and talks and hands-on project building and all this other stuff out there just so folks could learn some new stuff. You know, I look back on it, and the folks that have mentored me, I've had everything from technical mentoring to on-air mentoring. You know, uh, I really miss Ed Youngblood, KE5OA. He was the best man at my second wedding. and uh, He was a really, really wonderful fellow. And he spent a lot of time in the middle of the night on the radio with me while I was out at work because I had a job where I was working in the middle of the night and had a lot of free time while I was at work. And uh, he taught me uh, my radio practice, you know, how to how to operate on the air, on VHF at least, which carried over to HF because it made so much so much sense. And you just can't you just can't find that kind of stuff anymore. There are not people out there willing to do it. You know, nowadays we're all in such a hurry, moving at such a fast pace, and uh, we just don't seem to have the time. But my suggestion would be that you go find one guy that might be struggling, you know, help him out, help him find an antenna, help him get a piece of coax in there. That's the physical way at coffee suggest to him some options in the way he does things or uh, how he might accomplish a goal that he has in amateur radio you know that was the biggest problem with the codeless tech license the thing that uh, everybody thought was going to be the big problem never materialized however we received a different problem that we did not expect and that's simply because we ended up with so many people coming in so fast that the people that had been around for a while weren't able to keep up. So we ended up with a lot of folks there on the out, at the outset that didn't get any mentoring, didn't get any elmering. So it's taken a long time for us to catch up. And now, quite frankly, there are some codeless extras that are probably some of the poorest operators I've ever heard. But then again, there's coded extras that are that way. And there are codeless extras that I've heard that have impeccable operating skills, and that is mainly due to their Elmers. You are a reflection of the people that Elmer you. And the people you Elmer are direct reflection of you. Go out there, find some ways to teach these guys stuff. Because we're responsible for the propagation of the hobby. And the way we're going to propagate the hobby is through elmering these guys. Because when the chips are down, we're all amateur radio operators. You know, it hadn't been too long since we had a hurricane come through down, down in Galveston. There's still radio operators at this time from up here in the north in the uh, DFW area that are down in Houston operating because they're still trying to gather themselves up. You know, take these guys into your Aries groups. Take these guys into your clubs. Teach them how to give tests. Teach them how to teach classes. Um, I know one fella that uh, I talked to that I see on Twitter and he and I had a long conversation one night 
He's, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to get on the air. I can't afford to get on the air. I've got this going on, this going on, this going on. And no matter what option I gave him, because I'm a believer in the get on the air, make it look pretty later method. No matter what option I gave him, he couldn't do it. He couldn't spend $20 on a piece of coax. $20. He couldn't spend a few dollars on a, a chassis mount SO fitting and uh, some wire to make a ground plane. But it wasn't three or four days later he was able to drop over, drop a couple hundred dollars on a computer. Of course, I guess that's a matter of priorities. Anyway, I know this is kind of long and rambling, and uh, once again, let me apologize for the noise in the background because uh, just so happens I recently purchased a new computer and the power supply fans a little bit loud. And if I hadn't purchased it for recording podcasts, then it wouldn't be a big deal. Anyway, uh, that's a little bit more on mentoring or elmering. I hope that's helped y'all out. Uh, we're gonna try and uh, try and find something extra. In fact, I got something that uh, somebody asked about that might turn into a multi-part program. So we'll we'll see how that turns out. Anyway, with that, y'all uh, y'all hang around, and we'll move on to the next segment. brings us to the end of another resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast got a few things here at the end i said i'd get a uh, get a link for y'all on the cw side uh the one he was talking about was the straight key century club which is at www.skccgroup one word skccgroup.com skccgroup.com The other organization that uh, he was speaking about is FISTS. That's at www.fists.org www.fists.org And I don't know a whole lot about the Straight Key Century Club, but uh, yeah, I've, I've looked at the FISTS page and uh, seen some of their stuff, and they... Uh, them guys over there are uh, really great, really great. Something else I need to remind y'all of is Linux in the Ham Shack. Episode 1 is already out. Episode 2 will be out in, uh, I, I believe, uh, won't be this coming Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. So uh, y'all go over and check out Linux in the Ham Shack. You can find that at... Uh, blacksparrowmedia.com stroke LHS or you can go ahead and subscribe at iTunes uh, over at the iTunes store if you're interested uh, we I believe we have an odd feed over there I will have to make sure but uh, uh, you're pretty safe either picking it up off of uh, blacksparrowmedia.com stroke LHS or iTunes in mp3 format uh, once again, please send those donations in. Like I said, if this, uh, any of these episodes, any of the episodes you've heard so far is worth a, has helped you out in any way, then it's got to be worth a dollar. So, uh, if 
Figure that up and send us a donation. You can send it. There are links at blacksparrowmedia.com. Click on the donate link or the stores link. Uh, you can help out either way over there. Or if for some reason you're pulling things down off the blog site, there should be a donation uh, link there also. Don't forget to visit the forums over at blacksparrowmedia.com. Resonant Frequency has its own set of forums. We have a few moderators over there. Uh, we're adding forums as they're needed for different subjects. But uh, go on over to BlackSparrowMedia.com. Check out the forums. Uh, that could, should really help you out. Uh, there's also a set of forums there for uh, Linux in the ham shack. So if you have any questions in that direction just go ahead and post those bad boys up and we'll uh we'll see what we can do uh also i just want to let y'all know one more time yes you do have to register for the forums but we do not give that information to anybody it's only there to keep the spammers out uh on the on the different blogs that we have over at black sparrow i end up blocking an ip address or killing out a spam every three or four hours three or four hours so uh we're doing the best we can to keep the spammers out of there so y'all don't have to look at it okay forums email if y'all want to contact me you can either contact me in the forums or you can contact me by email my email address is kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com and uh, you can get a hold of me there and uh, if you got any questions, suggestions feedbacks, hate mail whatever you got just send it uh, to me there post it on the forums or you can follow me on twitter uh, that would be twitter.com stroke kb5jbv uh, if you're signed up over at Twitter, just put me in your uh, Twitter client, whatever you're using, and uh, uh, you'll be able to see what I'm doing. I haven't been posting much to Twitter lately. However, I'm trying to get that squared away. I've uh, divvied up the radio room into the recording area and the uh, amateur radio area. So uh, I've just got to get a Twitter client on one of the machines over on this side of the room. That looks like everything I had on my list. And uh, like I said, I'm glad y'all uh, y'all downloaded us this time. Uh, y'all go vote for us over at uh, Podcast Alley or leave a comment over at iTunes or something. Tell your friends. Uh, y'all just make sure y'all can hand these out. Give them to people. Tell them where to find us. Come listen to us. Uh that one email that right there i have told people to hand this out use it as they like and everything else and i'm glad to hear that somebody has been doing it so uh i think we're going to try a different uh, different approach next time around i'm working on a series of shows concerning one particular subject please don't worry we're not going to go to that stupid season crap because all our shows are tied together by being about amateur radio so with that, I think I've pretty much rambled as long as I can. This is probably going to be a, a longer show than they have been in a while. But that's okay. Because y'all deserve it. Every last bit. And with that, we'll see y'all in the forums. Or at the very least, we'll uh, we'll talk to you pretty soon. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, all the promo net for the music uh, you've heard on the podcast this time around like to thank Russ for helping us out over at Black Sparrow Media. Uh, I'd like to thank the wife and the dogs for not making too much noise while I've been recording. And I really can't thank anybody else at the moment, but y'all know how I am. With that, y'all take care of your families and uh, be careful out there. 7-3. We gotta go.